What is up, Thrive Tribe? I am so excited for you to hear today's episode of me on my good friend, Cynthia Thurlow's podcast. Now, you oftentimes hear me interviewing other guests on the show, and I think it's cool to offer you a new perspective of me getting interviewed and speaking about things that maybe you've never heard me speak about before. So before we dive in, I just want to encourage you to shoot my friend Cynthia Thurlow a follow on Instagram. You can find her, Cynthia Thurlow. She is best known for her viral TED Talk all about intermittent fasting. She is so incredible, so knowledgeable, so powerful, so compassionate, and I'm grateful that she is a friend. So I'm excited for you to hear this episode on her podcast, the Everyday Wellness Podcast. And as always, fam, if you got any value from today's show, please hit me up on Instagram at CoachJeremy305 and let me know what was your biggest takeaway And I promise I'll respond because that's what this community is all about. It's about cultivating connection and conversation and communication. So I'm so grateful for you. And let's dive in to today's interview of me on Cynthia Thurlow's Everyday Wellness Podcast. Much love, fam. This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Today, I'm super excited to have my friend Jeremy Abramson is known as the high energy coach who helps top level executives and entrepreneurs unleash their fullest potential. He is recognized around the world for his expertise in mindful movement, mindset, nutrition, and neuroscience. He has also built a community of over 600,000 on TikTok and continues to amplify his impact around the world. He's also the host of the Thrive University podcast, whose mission is to inspire and empower you with the knowledge and wisdom to transform your thoughts habits, relationships, intention, vitality, and enthusiasm so that you can live your dream life and just stop settling for mediocrity. Welcome, Jeremy. Yes, Cynthia. So glad to be here. So you were recently traveling. Let's talk a little bit about that. Where did you head off to? Yes, I was in Belgium for a week. It was super beautiful. It was definitely challenging, first of all, to get over there with the current climate of the world. So had to go through some obstacles, some hurdles, you know, with the U.S. embassy in Belgium and all of these different things. But my girlfriend lives over there and uh, wanted to pay her a visit. So I think it's always nice to get out of our ordinary climate, you know, especially right now, we've been in a very still environment in most cases, right? with working from home, with travel being limited in your case, you know, you have your family there. So, you know, options might even be more limited. So I think it's always nice to get a little reset and to get new surroundings. And I think travel is such a beautiful way to really expand our minds and expand our awareness of the world and the way that people go about eating, dancing, talking, communicating, thinking. 
And it was just really refreshing to spend a week out there. For those people who have never heard or been to Belgium, I highly, highly recommend visiting Gant, which is like this beautiful, quaint city. And it's just tremendous. It's got like canals everywhere. The architecture is incredible. So had a great week there. And I'm feeling good to be back home here in California. I bet. Well, you know, travel is one of my favorite things. And obviously there's been no travel in my life really since March of last year when I was last on TV, but we've been trying to plan a family vacation to Germany because my youngest has quite a knack for languages and is learning German. And we had all these, you know, wonderful plans put into motion and wah, wah, wah. I'm not sure that's going to happen in June. So I'm kind of bummed, but I am planning something special for my husband in September. And thus far, things appear to be falling into place. So I'm hopeful we can actually leave the United States, get on a plane and travel back to one of my favorite continents. So I'm kind of holding space for that right now, that that's going to manifest, that is going to happen. (laughs) So are you able to reveal where that place is or is that... Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I think Africa is really a very special place for my husband and I. We've been several times, we've gone to several different countries. And I just felt like the past year in particular, for so many of us has been incredibly challenging. But I kept saying, you know, normally, I would say, yeah, let's take a vacation, you know, for, you know, your birthday, my birthday, our anniversary. But I was like, heck, this year, let's go big. And so I just decided that, you know, we've done a traditional safari. We've been to the desert in Africa, which have all been, you know, amazing and incredible. And we decided that we would really like to go see the gorillas. So we're going to do Rwanda. And then after that, go to Zanzibar. So we're going to sit on a beach. We're going to, you know, be interacting with primates, which is just incredible. And for anyone who hasn't had the opportunity to, you know, travel there or doesn't have a desire to, for me, I feel very connected to the earth when I'm in Africa. I feel very connected to nature. To me, it's a really, really special place. And I think we're going to make this happen. So I'm super excited. I've got my mom on board to watch my kids. And, you know, my business will sit tight for a week and a half. And then, you know, we'll come home and I'll feel like my cup is full. Just like you mentioned, travel is such an important part irrespective of where you travel to. I just think getting out of your norm, getting out of your element, being forced to try different things, new things, see new smells, tastes, interact with different types of people allows us to really have a profound appreciation for where we are in time and space, but also allow us to kind of grow. And I feel like the past year, not being able to travel has probably been one of the most frustrating things because that's like in my blood. I love to travel. I love planning trips. I like doing things with my family and doing things for business-wise. And I'm sure the same for you. It was probably really nice to visit a country you'd never been to before and get outside your element. I'm curious, what was the travel process like? Did you feel like people were, did they look fearful or did they just kind of look like the road warriors? You know, like the stereotypical people who still are traveling a lot, getting on planes, doing travel. What was your experience like? Yeah, I've definitely been one of those people who's traveled a lot during this time, regardless. Like I drove cross country when I moved back from Miami to California. So I was able to see different perspectives and approaches Mm -hmm. to everything going on through our lens, America. And then, you know, I've been to Miami a couple of times since and just been traveling. I'm doing my best really to not let the external circumstances affect the way that I 
approach life mm-hmm. and in regards to the process and, and kind of that whole situation. Yeah. I mean, one of the flights, my flight from Belgium to DC when I was coming back was like absolutely packed. Interesting. Yeah. It was, it was really packed. So, and then the flight from DC to San Francisco, Oh, I actually had a layover. Maybe I could have seen you in like yeah. that one hour that I was, <laughs> I was there, but yeah, I mean, you really do kind of get gain an understanding for people's perspectives of how they're approaching things, you know, with the masks and with hand sanitizer and with social distancing and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to say who's right and who's wrong, because that's your life and your values and whatever you want to believe. I'm not here to preach anything about that, but you know, it was a overall, just a great experience. And I love traveling because you're forced to kind of disconnect, like unless you purchase Wi-Fi, which I never do, but like you're able to really get into deep work sessions Mm -hmm. and be on airplane mode, literally read, take notes, reflect, like ask yourself those meaningful questions. And as you mentioned, you know, what's working, what's not working, Mm -hmm. because I always say, Cynthia, that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think too often we're just navigating on this hamster wheel of life and we don't actually stop and pause and assess, yo, where am I right now? And where do I want to go? And yeah, am I actually enjoying this human experience? So, you know, always looking, like you mentioned, for travel to just be something that can magnify our consciousness and our awareness and make us better versions of ourselves. I think that's so beautifully stated because the gift of the past year, the gift of the past 11 months, I think on many levels has encouraged people who are kind of leaning in to what they can learn through the experience. Are they happy where they are in time and space? I mean, we literally decluttered our entire house, put it on the market within like three weeks and sold it in one day. And on so many levels, I feel like there were so many things that we thought were important, which we found really weren't important. And I think, you know, 2020 really brought it to a head. And it seems like there's a lot of people, a lot of people moving. I had a friend who was so, and she loves to listen to this podcast, so she'll know exactly who I'm talking about. You know, she and her family were so impressed by what my husband and I did that they did the same, although they moved a whole lot farther away. And so I think a lot of people are reprioritizing or, you know, really looking thoughtfully at where they are, you know, with their loved ones, with their friendships, with their occupation. I think the beauty is that you and I existed in this kind of virtual space pre-COVID. And therefore that gives us, you know, an advantage in terms of like, we weren't trying to like take a brick and mortar business and try to like transition to a virtual practice seemingly overnight. I feel like you know, I've been doing this for about five years now. And so I was ahead of the curve. Like I laugh about the Zoom thing. I was telling my kids, I said, you have to understand, like when I first started using Zoom, it was really unusual. Like people are like, you're doing group programs online. And I was like, oh yeah, people like it. They don't have to get in their car. They don't have to, you know, sit in a stuffy room with a bunch of people. Now they can do it. You know, they could be sitting in their pajamas and we're none the wiser. We have no idea. So on so many levels, I think that's really the gift. And that's how I choose to look at it. And I would imagine you do as well. It's, it's not, you know, is the glass half empty? It's like the glass is half full and, you know, how can we like move forward and, 
you know, the experiences we've had over the last year, how can we make it better? How can we make our lives better? How can we reposition ourselves? I mean, I laugh, I'm married to an engineer and the engineer who likes to see concrete evidence always, I've got him meditating. He's getting up early and doing the miracle morning. He's doing solid core with me. And I never would have guessed, you know, even five years ago that he would have ever been open-minded enough. But like, that's how powerful this past year has been on so many levels, just like within my own family. And so I love that, you know, you are of a like mindset. But for anyone who's listening that's not as familiarized with Jeremy, you may follow him on TikTok or Instagram. And he is this incredibly fit guy who's always doing, he's always very animated and very physical in his videos, but always sharing, you know, really great concrete examples of how you can improve your life. And a lot of what you talk about is the mindset piece, but let's talk a little bit like where you started from, because I know we met through Lewis Howes several years ago. That's how we were connected, but you had been doing a lot of you know, personal training with some elite athletes and, you know, people that were, you know, C-level and above within big companies. But how did you make this transition? Because obviously you started from a place of enjoying physical activity and recognizing how important it was to be physically active. And now I think of you as kind of this movement guru or this mindset guru. So how did that transition actually occur? Yeah, I appreciate that, Cynthia. So definitely became passionate about fitness, I would say my senior year in high school, I was always the skinniest kid. Like you could see my ribs, you know, like in pictures, not like unhealthy skinny, but just super fast metabolism and also was active. So I was always this skinny kid. I didn't get made fun of so much, but like senior year was the first time where I actually walked into a gym. It was my brother and I, YMCA, lifted weights, like started to see results. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like just by being consistent and showing up, you can get the results you desire. And I went on to college at University of Oregon. I studied business and sports marketing and continued to be consistent working out, you know, weight room, stuff like that. Nothing too advanced, nothing too special or unique. Um, but I never really saw fitness as like career. I never saw health as a career. And fast forward you know, to maybe 2016. This was like a year or two after I had spent a year working with a high performance training company out in Miami, where we were working with a lot of NFL players, major league baseball players. So I was learning more about the human body, how it worked. And I was really interested in how we can optimize our movement, our performance. And in 2016, November, I went to Onnit Academy in Austin, Texas. And I remember that weekend was so transformational for me because yes, I learned great information on the human body and movement and different ways to really mobilize and strengthen and bulletproof our body. But also the people I met there, you know, expanded my mind. Like they introduced me to biohacking and different things and concepts in regards to nutrition. And I was first introduced to podcasts then. Like I remember first listening to Ben Greenfield's podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was like, this is so crazy. This is so cool. Like this dude is literally just sharing his passion, sharing his knowledge into a microphone and people are listening. Like what? What a crazy idea. And fast forward, obviously you and I are both hosting a successful health and wellness podcast. So it's cool how things 
happened full circle. But in those last four years, Cynthia, I was really on this journey of self-discovery. So the more knowledge I attained, the more hungry I became for more. Mm-hmm. And some of the stops along the way that were really memorable for me were, you know, doing a weekend with Joe Dispenza in Colombia. I did a workshop with him. I did a weekend with Wim Hof. He came to Miami, which was incredible. I was in Peru by myself. I did a three-day ayahuasca plant medicine experience out there. And since have done one more, that was a full uh, full week-long journey, which was last October. So have really just kind of chased these different opportunities. I don't even want to say chase. I've pursued them, attracted them. And as you know, attending some of these conferences and workshops, like you connect with like-minded people and then you get introduced to new things. So that's kind of been what the last four years have been like. And then after working with some of these high performers, whether it was athletes or in this case, later on, it was executives, entrepreneurs out in Miami, I realized that so many of them had all of the things. They had the Maserati, they had the two or three houses, the Cayman Islands, Jamaica, you know, the penthouse in Miami, but they were lacking true fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think a big reason for that is because they were constantly chasing success or what they appeared success to look like. And I think this is a thing that a lot of men do is like they get money and what's the first thing they buy? It's like a car. Why do they buy the car? To impress the girl. And then (laughs) they get the girl. It ends up being a toxic relationship because they're not really equipped to be operating at that level because they haven't taken the time Mm -hmm. to tap into themselves and understand what their true purpose is, what their vision for the world is, because they've been on this hamster wheel and they've been operating from this very limited paradigm. So what I do now is really help create more alignment in those individuals' life and helping them gain clarity with their health, with their relationships. Because once you address those things, and you understand how to optimize those areas of your life, like your business is going to blow up. Mm -hmm. All of these areas of your life are going to be impacted in a powerful way. So in the work I've done, you know, with some of these really powerful leaders is like, yeah, they were making a big impact in their business and their organization. But how are you showing up as a father, as a husband? You know, because as you know, having two sons, like, I'm sure they don't listen to a lot of the things you say. Mm -hmm. And if they do, awesome. But there's a point in a kid's life where they don't really listen. They're a little more resistant, right? So how are you going to embody what you want to communicate to them? And if you're telling your children like, hey, try to avoid eating this, try to avoid eating toxic inflammatory oils and processed sugars and all of this stuff, move your body. But if you're not doing those things yourself, then it's meaningless. So what I really empower these people to do is embody what it means to be a heart-led leader. Mm -hmm. And I think all of the experiences that I've had in the past, you know, 10 years, but especially the last five years, have really helped me with that and with the tools to share with others. Because of course, if I don't do them myself and embody them myself, who am I to have other people try implementing them. 
So as you know, like with intermittent fasting or any other health protocol, it's like you're your own guinea pig, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are the sample size of one, then you can start to kind of expand things out. So hopefully that answered your question. There are so many things to unpack. First, I didn't know that you started off at University of Oregon, which I find fascinating. But I think what I really hear from you is that when we ourselves as individuals, if we're in a position where we're working with other people, the more we invest in ourselves in terms of ensuring that we're in the right mindset and we're working on our own kind of intellectualism or our own cerebral functioning, that that lends itself to the work that we do with our clients. In fact, this morning I was talking to someone who actually lives on the West Coast, who's a wonderful client. And we were negotiating back and forth about, you know, what working together moving forward would look like. And I was making a point of telling her about some training that I that I did at the end of 2020. And she said, I don't know when you have time to do that. And I said, I constantly have to be leveling up what I'm doing so that I can offer more to my clients. And so whether that's reading or podcast interviews, like now I'm probably at a position that you're in with your own podcast. Like now I just go after people that I want to interview because I want to learn more about their thought process, their methodology. You know, how can I take the very best content that they have and be able to deliver it, share it with my listeners so they can actually take action after listening to a podcast. And so the more we invest in ourselves, the more we can give back to those that we work with. But one thing that I heard that I think a lot of people, hopefully with COVID have started to realize is that the superficial things in our lives really mean nothing. So for anyone who thinks because you live in a house that has, it's worth so many dollars or you're driving a very expensive car or you have a very expensive clothing or whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your toy is, that that's not intrinsically what makes you happy. And if that's what you believe makes you happy, you will be chasing materialistic stuff for the rest of your existence. And I think that's for so many people, I can't tell you how many friends over the past year have downsized or they've moved, you know, less expensive areas because they don't like the toxic influence on their families. I certainly moved from one neighborhood into a rental in my area And the change in the people that we interact with is so substantial. I'm like, why didn't we do this earlier? It's so much more like low key and people are friendlier. And I'm like, we're three miles away from where we lived. It's unbelievable. And so kind of tying it back to the point you were making is the more we can, you know, kind of up level our own mindset, our own thinking, it has this profound trickle down effect throughout our lives. But I want to ask you, I know we've talked about Wim Hof, who's incredible. And I had the incredible opportunity to connect with him last year. But Joe Dispenza, like I just suddenly found Joe Dispenza and wow, is his stuff. I think you sometimes stumble upon certain influencers when you're ready to accept the message. And wow, I mean, that's just, I mean, he's just incredible. What was that like to actually have the opportunity to spend time learning and being taught by him? Yeah, for sure. I'll answer that. Before I do, I do want to, touch on what you mentioned about like the material things Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I think that most people don't actually have an understanding of what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, I think everyone needs to get clear with what wealthy means to them. Mm -hmm. For me, wealthy, you know, I've never really been someone that's like super into flashy cars and and like the bling, the watch, Mm -hmm. the chain, like that's never really excited me that much. However, I love to travel. I love eating delicious food. I love surprising my family and friends with gifts. Mm-hmm. So 
for me, wealthy means being able to do all those things and be able to do them on my own terms, whenever, wherever I want. So that changes things because once you understand what you want to do with that money, what that wealth is going to open up for you, then your inspiration, your motivation to generate more income will manifest. And what I say, Cynthia, is like so many people talk about multiple streams of income, right? You have your group coaching, your one-on-one coaching, your podcast, your book deal, like, right? All these different things that are in the mix. I always focus on multiple streams of impact. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned like TikTok. For me, that's just one channel where I'm able to create impact. And does that usually lead into income as well? Yeah. Like if you know how to nurture it and handle it properly, for sure. But I'm always focused on like, what areas of impact can I create? And then once it becomes sustained and I see like, wow, people are really benefiting from this. Like it's growing substantially. Then I'm like, okay, it might be time to monetize in a very intentional way, right? So that's what I would say about money. Um, In regards to Joe Dispenza, it was awesome. Like super unexpected, honestly. I wasn't too familiar with him actually at the time. And these two people from Columbia came to one of my workout classes in Miami. And they're like, hey man, like I feel like you love Joe Dispenza. Like you're the way that you talk and, <laughs> and the different things that you said to us, like, what are your thoughts on him? I was like, I've heard of him. He seems great. I don't too, know too much about him. They're like, mm-hmm. well, check this out. We're actually going to a weekend workshop in Bogota, Colombia next month. Like if you want to come. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> let's go. I literally booked my ticket and flight and everything with them right then and there. And that week was honestly like one of the most gratifying and challenging weeks of my life because one of the people I ended up going on that trip with was, he's now like one of my best friends Mm. and he's from Colombia and his family owned the biggest gym company, like gym chain in Colombia. So I was teaching classes every morning in addition to the Joe Dispenza workshop. So there was like 2,500 people there or 3000, like I thought it was going to be something small, intimate. And he's really penetrated the South American market, which is amazing. So just to see the way that he operates, you know, I'm fascinated by like facilitators and teachers, the way that they can captivate audiences and keep them engaged. And you have people like Tony Robbins, who I've always related to, who's more like fiery and energized Mm -hmm. and Then you have Joe Dispenza, who's like a little more low key. Mm -hmm. He's very grounded, but like he still has everyone's attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was really cool to see people have like breakthroughs Mm -hmm. in live time, like through some of the meditations and other exercises. I'm actually in August going to do the week long retreat with him in, where is it? Cartagena, Colombia in August. Oh, wow. So yeah, I'm super excited for that. And then what else? Yeah. So just to tie a knot on that, like that week was crazy because I got so sick and I'm convinced it must've been like COVID or something. This was Mm -hmm. a month before everything got shut down. So early February, 2020. And I was teaching classes at like 7, 8 AM, like bringing all of this energy And I felt like more sick than I've ever felt, like honestly. And I was really relying, we can talk about this later if you want, 
on like medicinal mushrooms, microdosing. Mm-hmm. And like that was really keeping my immune system in check. But I just remember like having so much phlegm, like sore throat, all of this stuff, and also trying to stay focused and show up in a powerful way. So that week for me is like so fond in my memories because I was really pushed to my limit, like mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And I was still able to show up in a powerful way. So I'll always remember that week. I can imagine. And I think it really goes back to the, well, I always say mindset is everything. And, you know, when we show up in our lives, when no one would have begrudged us, you know, saying, okay, you weren't feeling well, you don't have to do these classes, but you wanted to show up. And that has definitely happened to me in my personal life. And two years ago, most people know that I had this healthcare hiccup, was very, very sick and part of what kept me going in the hospital was the recognition I had two boys who needed their mom and my husband, I'm sure probably needed me too. And then also I was like, I made this commitment to do this talk and I want to make that happen. And as crazy as the organizers thought I was after the fact, they allowed me to do the talk and that talk changed my life. And so when we talk about showing up, even though we don't feel good, or maybe we're not hundred percent, you never know what blessings will come out of that. Was that healthcare hiccup right before that second TEDx talk? I got out of the hospital 27 days prior to that TED talk. Oh my gosh. We'll definitely talk about that when you're on my show. I can't wait. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the mindset is everything. And inevitably I think that, you know, our mind can override what our body's telling us, you know, if we just say, okay, I just need to do X, Y, and Z. And then I will allow myself to fully feel whatever it is I'm experiencing, but I don't have time to be sick. And that was kind of my kind of mentality. Now let's pivot a little bit because one of the things that I've always appreciated and valued about you and your content is this focus on being physically active and I know that a lot of the content you write is encouraging people to not be sedentary and to not be sitting on our butts all day long. I mean, I oftentimes will say that sitting is the new smoking and sometimes I get a little bit of heat. I don't know why people just don't want to hear that. And so prime example is when I do my podcasts, I actually do them seated, but most often I try to be as physically active throughout the day as I can be. And so what are some of the changes that you're seeing that are occurring, you know, given COVID? I think people are getting much more comfortable doing bodyweight exercise. People are buying a lot of things for their home gyms. I think there's a tremendous desire for people to remain physically active and maybe they're getting more creative given, you know, depending on where you live in the United States or abroad, your gyms may not be open. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you just said it like bodyweight exercises. I was a huge proponent and fan of that before this whole thing happened. Because first of all, when you master your body weight, you strengthen your joints and you're mobilizing joints, you're stabilizing other ones. Like for instance, if you're just in like a high plank position, like the top of a pushup, right? That's requiring your shoulders to stabilize. And it's requiring your core to be integrated with your glutes and all of these things to be connected. So it allows you to strengthen that mind body connection that we talk about. And it allows you to just like explore and be curious about like this vessel that you have, that is your body. And too often, again, we're looking externally. We're looking to that machine to give us a six pack. We're looking for the one exercise that's going to make us burn fat. And it's like, no, that doesn't exist. And I think 
if people, I would say, maybe got exposed, like, oh shit, the gyms are closed. What do I do? And whether the gyms should have been closed in the first place is a whole different discussion, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's an essential business, but I guess the government thinks that liquor stores are more essential and those should stay open. But again, Cynthia, that's a whole topic for another day, maybe. (laughs) So I think a lot of people lack the intuition. And I think intuition comes in so many ways. You know, it was like the intuition you knew when you were dating your husband that Mm -hmm. he was going to be your husband. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, this is when I want to you know, stop. I think it was like April 1st, 2016 for you, right? The day that you decided like, yo, I'm going out on my own and becoming an entrepreneur. And yeah, it's scary, but I'm going to do it. So there's this powerful thing we have called intuition. And I think by moving our bodies, just our bodies, nothing else, you know, we're able to understand like, Hey, what feels good? Where am I feeling some pain? You know, and then you're able to understand like, Hey, what do I need to do more of? What do I need to stay away from? We tend to only do things that we're good at, right? To feed our ego, but it's really getting out of your comfort zone and doing those things that you suck at that not only is going to force you to grow, but it's also actually going to tap into neuroplasticity. So you're going to create more neural connections in your brain. So anyone who's listening right now who wants to stay sharper, stay younger, right? Like try new things. You know, we see it as kids, like your son learning a new language, whether it's German, Spanish, whatever it is, playing a new sport, playing a new instrument. But when we get older, we tend to say like, I'm too old for that. Mm -hmm. Or no, like it's too much work. And, you know, I think when it comes to just moving our body, right, it's the same thing. It's like, do things that are challenging, that are fun. Like try a yoga class, try Mm -hmm. calisthenics, go for a walk, go for a run you know, connect with nature. And yeah, you know, as Jim Quick says, Jim Quick is one of my biggest inspirations. Yeah, when it comes to brain health, and he says, as your body moves, your brain grooves. And I think that's so true. Like, even just five minutes of movement, whether it's, you know, going for a walk, taking a phone call or zoom call outside, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it opens up so much possibility. And you know what I want to do, actually, Cynthia, is I'm going to include, I'll send this over to you right after we're done. I'm going to send over like this stand up to sitting PDF I made. Oh, perfect. That I do with um, like these corporate companies that I do these workshops for, with hence the name stand up to sitting. And they're simply just alternative positions and stretches one can do while they're working from home. That'll help keep their joints mobile and keep mm-hmm. that blood flowing. Thank you. No, I know that will be invaluable. But I think for so many of us, I know that, you know, I was someone that was going to the gym and, you know, I mixed it up. We've got some home gym equipment, but I started to see the writing on the wall last March. And so I started buying kettlebells and plates and, you know, I bought TRX bands because I was like, heck, I'm not going to not work out there. That's not going to happen. And I have teenage boys and a husband who's very physically active as well. And so, you know, I bought all sorts of things to, you know, keep us moving. And of course, my kids thought it was funny that, you know, my kettlebells were only 25 pounds and not, you know, 30 or 40. I'm like, listen, I weigh 115 pounds. (laughs) Let's be real. I'm not picking up a 50 pound kettlebell every day. Like that may not be realistic. But the point I'm trying to make is on so many levels, you know, 
it invites us to find creative ways to become more physically active. Like one of the things that we started to do, and you probably have seen this meme, there are people who, whose dogs are like standing on top of cabinets in their kitchen because they don't want to be walked. They're being so walked, like pet purchases have just gone up exponentially as people are home. And so I have two dogs, uh, the doodles, and we call them the dudes. And so they were getting walked three to five miles every day. And it was really because the only thing we could do was to walk. We we really were required to only leave our homes for a couple of very, you know, meaningful things. And so for that period of time from March through May, you know, we did a lot of walking and did a lot of home workouts. And I think that there's been this tremendous shift. I think people are realizing that, you know, there's a role for gyms and I'll be the first person to say that. And if I want to lift heavy weights, that's what I'll go do. But, you know, I think people have gotten much more creative with their time and, you know, that connection with nature is undeniable. I can't tell you how many people connect with me because they don't sleep well. And I'm like, listen, one of the best things you can do, which is super easy and costs $0 is get outside and get light exposure first thing in the morning, even five or 10 minutes. You know, this time of the year, we're pretty covered up in Washington, DC, but you know, the value of not wearing sunglasses, getting, you know, sunlight to shine on your retina, which kind of reminds your body it's time to get up and get moving. We know that there's a lot of physiologic benefits but it also helps us support sleep synthesis at night as well. And I love that you kind of touched on neuroplasticity, which is one of my like favorite terms. You know, our thoughts become our actions, but anything that we're doing to stimulate our brains, like I tell my kids all the time, I always have four or five books going, which is embarrassing slash humorous. And I'm always wanting to learn because I don't want to be static, whether it's with my body or with my brain or, you know, psychologically, I want to always be learning. And so having that desire to be a lifelong learner, I always say we are designed to evolve, shift and change throughout our lifetimes. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Like you mentioned April 1st and April 1st will be five years since I left clinical medicine. And that was a hard slash not hard decision to make, but it's so clear to me now, like retrospectively, maybe it didn't make sense all at the time when it started this journey. I mean, it's forced me to evolve into a completely different, you know, person. And I feel like the world is kind of opened up on so many levels. Whereas if I had stayed in clinical medicine and I respect and revere my peers who are still, you know, frontlining it and are hands-on. But for me, that was not part of my journey. My journey was meant to end there and then pivot off. You know, I always say the road less traveled to do something that there were no guarantees that I would be successful. Although I told my husband, I know I will be successful. There's no question. But now, you know, five years later, I'm grateful to have had that opportunity. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you had the courage and the confidence to make that leap. So you mentioned something that I'm definitely interested in learning more about. We hear a lot of people talking about microdosing. I know the absolute basics. I want to be very clear, but I know that my listeners would appreciate hearing a bit about microdosing. What is it? What does it involve? How do you go about doing it safely? Because that's obviously one of the questions that I've gotten. And when I mentioned that we were connecting today on social media, people that are familiar with you were like, oh, ask him about the microdosing. So, you know, not only do I selfishly want to learn more about it, but definitely the listeners were curious as well. Amazing. I love to hear that. Yeah. So microdosing is something that is definitely caught fire, I would say, in the last five to 10 years, especially where I am in Silicon Valley. So basically, when I speak about microdosing, I'm speaking specifically about psilocybin, which is the psychoactive component that's in magic mushrooms, Mm -hmm. but you can microdose, you know, a lot of people also microdose with LSD, 
And those are the two most common things, right? And basically a microdose is the opposite of a macro dose. So if you think about like mushrooms, right? People are like hallucinating, you know, people have this idea of what they think it entails without actually having experienced that thing. And I think that's a whole separate issue is people are so quick to judge and assume things when they've actually done very little research and they've done very little experimentation themselves. So I think people really need to be more curious and open-minded, especially during these times, you know, where so many people are struggling with these brain health issues, such as anxiety, depression, PTSD, and all of these things. So without diving too deep into the history of mushrooms, which I could do because I'm very passionate about this, basically, you know, microdosing is doing an amount about 0.2 to 0.5 grams. Now, a typical dose, if you're going to like go into a different dimension is like three and a half grams. So think about this as like one tenth what that would be. So you're not going to have any like crazy visions or visuals or anything like that. It's simply going to heighten your senses and heighten your level of awareness. Now, there's been tons of studies out from the Imperial College of London. Johns Hopkins has a whole department dedicated to this about the efficacy of psilocybin with depression, with anxiety, with PTSD, with post-cancer depression, right? So there's no denying the benefits and the healing potential of this medicine. I don't call it a drug because I think a drug is an SSRI. I think a drug is Adderall. I think a drug is one of these chemically concocted pills that we just hand out to our children. You know, you tell a psychologist or psychiatrist or a doctor, hey, can't focus in class. Here's Adderall. Hey, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling lonely. Here's Prozac. Like, really? Like, that's what we're doing. And we're not actually addressing the root cause of the issue. Right. And I know you're all about identifying the root cause rather than just treating symptoms. So what psilocybin does, it forces you to really face yourself, face your shadow. Right. Similar to like when I've done ayahuasca, like, yeah, are there painful memories or painful things that have been suppressed that come to the surface? For sure. Are there also just absolutely beautiful moments of oneness and clarity and things like that? 100%. And that's really why I think these medicines have healed so many people is because they've turned off what's called the default mode network in the brain. Mm -hmm. And essentially the default mode network is like our operating system. Mm -hmm. It's like I wake up, I smoke a cigarette, I drink my coffee, I scroll social media, I watch porn, I pick up the kid in between, I let him play video games, I eat a bag of Cheetos. Like that's your default mode network, right? Like you don't even have to think about it. So what this does, Cynthia, like what they say psilocybin does is essentially like have a snow globe effect on your brain. Mm -hmm. So if you think of a snow globe, like it's calm, all the snows at the bottom, and then you shake it, right? The snow's falling, different neural connections are being created. And for me personally, I didn't have any like bad cases of anxiety and depression that I was trying to solve. However, I did want to see and explore ways that I could become more effective, more creative, more productive, more optimized with the way I show up. And the way that I do it is I take 
I have these special capsules that I've helped formulate, which is 250 grams of psilocybin, then 400 grams of lion's mane mushrooms and 400 grams of cordyceps. Now, if you're not familiar with those two mushrooms, those are just 100% legal medicinal mushrooms Mm -hmm. that are really powerful for brain health, focus, energy. So yeah, if anyone wants to learn more about microdosing or just psychedelics in general, I really recommend reading How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. And it goes into the history of psychedelics and you know how they got criminalized in the first place in 1970 with Richard Nixon, and then how they've really become back on the radar. And now there's over 20 publicly traded companies on the stock market that are doing psychedelic therapy, and there's going to be a whole host of other ones. So something I really believe in, obviously, you can probably tell by the way I'm speaking about it, but you know, what makes these so unique is that there's no addictive qualities mm-hmm. and there's no long-term side effects that have been found because psilocybin has been found to, again, increase the neural connections happening in our brain, get rid of some of that default mode network happening and really allow us to create a brighter future for ourselves, right? So I implement this with my one-on-one clients, only my one-on-one clients, right? Like I'm not sending... Trust me, I get hundreds of messages daily. Hey, man, can I get some? Like, no, I'm not just going to send you microdosing. I think all this stuff needs to be used with intention, Mm -hmm. you know, and respect. Like, again, alcohol, whatever it is, a donut from Krispy Kreme. Like, yeah, these things are inherently bad for you. But like, if you actually have a drink of wine or tequila and it's with intention, like you're blessing the people and processes involved for getting that drink in your cup. And like, you're doing it with dear friends, celebrating something like it's not bad. Like it can be a very neutral or even good thing. As long as you have full control over the situation, same thing with like a donut. If you're craving a donut, like don't be an asshole and eat one every day, but like enjoy it. Be grateful that you have access to it. Don't feel shame about it or guilt about it. Enjoy it. Similar to that. Like if you're doing this or thinking about doing it, like, really just get clear with why. And, you know, my contact info, you know, Cynthia will put it in the show notes, but you can shoot me a DM on Instagram at coach Jeremy 305. To be honest, I've been pretty bad about checking those lately, but I'll make sure to check because I'll be expecting some messages from this everyday wellness community. But uh, happy to answer more questions. I don't want to ramble on unnecessarily though. No, no, it's really fascinating. Although I'm thinking back to when I was a freshman in college many years ago and my guy friends, there were like eight of them went out into the woods and, you know, used magic mushrooms and all of us kind of sat back and were like, oh my gosh, they were wrecked, you know, for like a day or two. Most of them did just fine, but everyone, there's always the outlier. There's always the poor person who has no idea how they're going to react to something like that. And certainly I think one of the things that's really fascinating, and we had Paul Raven on the podcast last year and kind of briefly kind of touched on psychedelics, but I think it's really exciting emerging research. And when you think about, I would imagine the amygdala is involved when you're dealing with PTSD or people that are, you know, chronically dealing with, you know, chronic trauma, having the ability to kind of reset your mindset or your neurologic you know, prognosis is hugely beneficial. And so I encourage anyone who's 
interested in learning more, Jeremy provided a great resource guide. I'll have to probably check it out because I'm always innately curious. I'm always, that's the baseline from where I live my life is that even if it's perhaps not something that I myself feel comfortable advocating for at this point, I'm curious about it because I know that psychedelics started in the 1950s from a very different place. And I know based on like the small amount of reading that I have done on them, that there was considered to be the potential for incredible progress, you know, neurologically, psychologically, and from a psychiatric perspective. So however, things kind of got off course, they got bastardized. You know, I was an ER nurse in Baltimore and we used to see people when they had had too much psychedelics. And, you know, sometimes in the case of like PCP, as one example, they would get like superhumanly strong and violent, but that's not the way that they're supposed to be used. I don't think that was how they were originally intended to use. So in terms of looking at psilocybin versus ayahuasca, did you feel significantly differently with both of them? I mean, was it a completely different experience? I know for ayahuasca, you went out into what sounds to be like the jungle or you were away. So that in and of itself would probably lend a very different experience. But if you're comfortable sharing with the listeners, you know, what your two experiences were like with both of them, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing you mentioned about your friends in college going out. I think that's what most people imagine. Yeah, like, sure. hey, let's do acid, let's do mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, how things get stigmatized a certain mm-hmm. way. I think what the psychedelic space is doing right now that's really smart is they're going through FDA trials. Mm-hmm. They're doing this in therapeutic settings with therapists. So it's not just like, hey, you're going to be able to go to a store like you can with cannabis now and like, just buy mushrooms. That's not how it's going to be, right? It's going to be a lot of intention. Yeah. And what's cool is like the people that are spearheading this movement are like literally the top most respected universities mm-hmm. in the US, Yale, Harvard, Johns yeah. Hopkins. Yeah. And that's really exciting. So ayahuasca is indigenous plant medicine from the Amazon. So it's been used for thousands of years in Peru and other areas like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, just a really powerful, amazing, beautiful medicine that includes DMT. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the main primary ingredients. And again, this is an experience where there's a shaman, you know, both times I've done an experience, there's been like a full medical team and, and a lot of integration. I want to emphasize that because when you do these experiences, Cynthia, like you go to a different world, like mm. you literally, the most recent time in October, I did four ceremonies in seven days. And, you know, these typically last like six to eight hours, six hours, I would say. And there's a group of like 40 conscious entrepreneurs and leaders, incredible group of people. Like there's some of my best friends now that was on the group. And yeah, the first night, like the medicine didn't actually hit me that hard. It was like diluted. So it wasn't as strong, but I found myself having the most vivid memories from childhood. Like it was insane. So one of the stories I told myself, I was telling myself is like, I'm unsupported, you know, and all of my relationships or a lot of my relationships, like I'm giving more than I'm receiving. Right. Again, this is just a story. It's not actually true. It's just a narrative I made up in my head. Mm -hmm. So in my first experience, I'm literally like getting taken back to all of these moments from my childhood, literally starting in kindergarten. 
And I have vivid images of like playing with my friends in kindergarten, my teacher, Susie, first grade, Miss Wagshall, my best friends, Adam Storm, like literally things that I hadn't thought of in 20 years, like so vivid, recess, famous Amos, gushers, like all of these things. Everyone from my sixth grade basketball team, like everyone's first and last name, specific plays, like from the huddle. Like I'm serious. Like like that's how vivid my memories were. And it's carried over like today when I was with my girlfriend in Belgium, like it was crazy. I was having the most vivid memories. I was like, when we first met in Ibiza, like I remembered like what was on the plate that we had to eat, what the drinks we were drinking, like literally everything, our conversations. So it really helped me bring back like some suppressed memories and let me know that like this story I was telling myself is just a story. And then just a lot of healing, you know, different things around like being able to receive fully from the divine feminine. Now, these are like things that your listeners may like be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Or they might be more interested. But in either case, with ayahuasca, there's no microdosing ayahuasca, right? Like you're in it for the experience. And, you know, in both instances, we really prepared our bodies. We were on a special dieta, like reduce, like avoiding caffeine, alcohol, sex, like toxic vegetable oils, sugar, like those things Mm -hmm. two weeks prior, really allowing the medicine to like hit us in a more powerful way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it opened my eyes. Honestly, I don't like to be that person who says like, you know, this is life changing, but I genuinely have no idea where I would be if I didn't do those medicines. I probably realistically wouldn't have a podcast. I probably wouldn't be as prolific uh, as a speaker or content creator that I am now. It helped me find my voice. Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't be as good of a son, as good of a brother, as good of a friend as I am now. Like I've become so much more compassionate and understanding. Psilocybin, when you do that in like real macro doses, can have a pretty similar effect than uh, a similar experience as ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done a macro dose of mushrooms in like 10 years. So I really focus on like microdosing. And that's something I do pretty consistently. Like now it's like two times a week. So hopefully, again, you're asking great questions that just like, I just want to run away with the answer, which is great. No, it's all fascinating. And as you were talking about the story you had told yourself as a child, I thought about Byron Katie. I don't know. Do you read Byron Katie? And so for any of the listeners that aren't familiar with Byron Katie, that's a lot of her teaching and probably one of the more valuable resources I kind of discovered about two years ago. And so Byron Katie talks a lot about your story. Is it true? And so oftentimes what we tell ourselves or remind ourselves about our childhood or something we've experienced throughout our lifetime is actually not accurate. And so giving yourself some grace, giving the person grace that maybe it was a parent or another loved one or a friend, you know, if you keep telling yourself a story that isn't true, then it's a lot of wasted energy. Yeah. So to be honest, like most of the stories we're telling ourselves aren't true. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, it's so important to stop, pause. Like you don't need to be on an airplane to stop, pause, put your phone on airplane mode and Mm -hmm. ask yourself some questions. So I think it's a good opportunity for everyone listening to do that. Absolutely. Well, I want to be mindful of your time, but I do want to ask you a couple more things. You've talked a lot about brain health, things that can be beneficial for brain health. Do you have specific supplements or foods that you like to integrate into your diet that can be very supportive of, you know, mindset, 
cognition, focus, et cetera. What would you say are your like top five? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think as you know, like nutrition and any of this, like people are always looking for like, what's the one thing, right? That's going to change everything. And you and I both kind of preach like, first of all, everyone's different. Mm -hmm. What works for me might not work for you. So the things I'm going to share for me, I found to work with like 99% of, so those are the things I'm going to share because I think those will add the most value. So literally starting my day off, you know, after I have go through my hydration protocol, which I think is very important. Most people are underhydrated. Mm-hmm. you know, drinking high quality water. You know, I have the Berkey filter and so many people are drinking water from plastic bottles or tap water that's filled with, as you know, like either heavy metals or other contaminants. So being mindful of the water you're drinking, then I'll have my organic consciously crafted coffee by Purity Coffee and I'll throw that mushroom powder into them. That's not the microdosing. That's like a 100% legal powder. I'll actually send you one, Cynthia. I think you'll really love it. And these are organic fruiting body mushrooms that are really designed to like create more neural connections and support your immunity. And they're also really rich in like vitamin D. So that's a powder, doesn't have a taste. I put that into my coffee, all the antioxidants from that coffee. And then just a lot of healthy fats, honestly. Like I have a whole avocado every day. And I usually drench it with high quality extra virgin olive oil. There's more and more research coming out. I read something on PubMed like just the other day showing that there's a direct link between olive oil consumption and the reduction in dementia slash Alzheimer's. So these are real. And again, like dark glass bottles for the olive oil because there's a lot of garbage out there. And then, yeah, like getting my omegas through wild caught salmon, that's big. And then a couple supplements that I've been taking recently that just based on research, I think are beneficial are saffron and what else? Are you using it in cooking or is it an actual capsule of saffron? Because for listeners, if you're not aware, saffron is like as expensive as gold. Like we needed it for some cooking one night and my kids were like, oh my God, it's so expensive. But I'm like, oh, but it's wonderful because it's beautiful. It's probably very polyphenol rich. I mean, it has a lot of incredible pigmentation. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I actually, it's a capsule that's filled with um, saffron and turmeric. And then like you said, you know, the polyphenols, right? So a couple of foods that are really beneficial would be blueberries. Mm-hmm. They have polyphenols that actually have been found to cross the blood brain barrier and improve your memory. So I'm big on blueberries. I throw a bunch of frozen blueberries into my shake every day. Mm-hmm. And then dark chocolate. I yep. love myself. That's another part of my morning ritual is I have like some 90% dark chocolate and I dip that cold chocolate from the freezer into my hot coffee. And it's literally like the most joyful moment of my day, (laughs) which I know sounds crazy, but like people think of like chocolate as candy, but actually cacao is so, so beneficial for you. It's a heart opener. It's really beneficial for the brain as well. So those are a few things that I implement every day and that I think are safe. And for a majority of people, they'll see benefits if they implement them. No, those are super helpful. I'm so glad that you're able to share them with the listeners. Now, how can everyone connect with you? Like I mentioned, you've got an amazing TikTok and Instagram following an incredible podcast. How? What's the easiest way for listeners to connect with you? For sure. Yeah, appreciate you, Cynthia. So best way to connect would be 
sending a DM on Instagram at Coach Jeremy305. And that's also my handle for TikTok. We're at about like 600,000 strong there. And I do a lot of lives. Like I'm actually doing a live right now. And I do like a live stream there, probably three to four days a week. And then the podcast, Thrive University. Cynthia is coming on the show. That episode will probably be live by the time you're listening to this. So those are the best places. Send me a DM on Instagram. Actually, it would be awesome, Cynthia, if people could tag both of us in this episode, like on their Instagram story and let us know, like, what was the biggest takeaway you had from today's show? Like, what are you actually going to implement into your life that we spoke about? Because we both dropped a lot of knowledge nuggets and I'd love to see what people are actually going to take action on. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that my team does such a great job with is when new episodes are dropped. That's one of the things that we encourage people like, what's your biggest takeaway? Because I always endeavor, like there are a lot of talking heads that are out there. I'm sure you would agree. Plenty of podcasts that just talk and talk and talk. But I want listeners to be able to have actionable steps that they can take like for right away. They don't have to buy something weird or unusual. It's things that you can, you know, buy easily locally or maybe on Amazon. With that being said, thank you again, my friend. It's been so nice to have you on. We'll have to have you back again. Yes. Much love, everybody. Peace. What is up, Thrive Tribe? Oh, my goodness. I hope you got some value and entertainment from that conversation with Cynthia Thurlow. Again, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to connect with amazing thought leaders like Cynthia. If you haven't already checked out her TEDx talk, make sure to do so. You can just search her name in Google and it'll probably be the first thing that comes up. I think it's almost at 10 million views. And fam, don't be a stranger, be in touch. I always want to connect with you. I always want to hear your feedback. So please, 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 if you got value from today's show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes because that allows us to impact more people and change more lives. It's such a simple gesture that honestly makes a huge difference. So thank you so much in advance for taking the 15 to 20 seconds to do that. And again, if you think this message will resonate with anyone in your life, make sure to shoot them the link for the show and let's continue to elevate our health, our habits, and our happiness. I love you so much, fam. You already know what time it is. It's time to elevate your health and thrive.